Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode nine of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. This is for the week of June 15th. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Reynolds, Vice President of Marketing for Episcopal Retirement Services, and I'm here with my trusty friend, always here, Kristen Davenport, who is the Director of Communications for ERS and our executive producer. How are you, Kristen? Brian, I am well. Thanks for uh, checking in again this week. It's always good to be here and get caught up. Absolutely. The Linkage podcast is dedicated to educating our audiences about the issues regarding aging, informing people about the mission of ERS, and how that comes to life in our everyday interactions with residents, families, and staff members. So, Chris and I just wanted to mention a little plug for our gala coming up this fall again. It's going to be on October 9th. Theme is Together We Rise, which will be a virtual gala. Obviously, in these times, we still need to practice social distancing. So, it'll be on Friday, October 9th, and have a great hour of celebration of heroism, a sneak peek for our new Mance Apartments, which is one of our newest affordable living communities, and some live jazz. It's sponsored this year by our good friends, the Model Group, who have been great partners in affordable living over the years, and of course, Ridgestone Builders, who have also been wonderful partners well over uh, the last 15 years. So looking forward to that, Kristen. Yeah, this week I got to hear a little uh, snippet of Mandy Gaines, who will be entertaining that evening, and I don't really want to wish away the summer, but I am looking forward to October and our virtual event. Absolutely. Well, Kristen, you want to tell us a little bit about our upcoming show? So we have some wonderful guests with us today on the show. First up, we have a resident of St. Paul Village. Her name is Barbara Breckenridge. Talk to Barbara about what she's growing out in her garden. Next up after Barbara, we're going to check in with our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, who will have some updates for us. And then our final guest is Dr. John Kiesel, who is just somebody to be admired, really. I got to know John last year when we wrote a story about him in our Linkage magazine and featured him. I'm looking forward to hearing what John's been up to because he's a great inspiration for how to stay healthy and engaged in your retirement years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you want to go ahead and start this first segment, Barbara? So Barbara Breckenridge is a resident of St. Paul Village. She's lived there about three years with her husband. She and her husband just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary back in December. Let's hear from Barbara all about what she's been up to, staying active and engaged at St. Paul Village. Welcome, Barbara, to our podcast today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Well, I was uh, introduced to you through our mutual friend, Chris Lemon. Uh, she told me that you would be somebody that would be very interesting on our podcast, and I'm, I'm glad to be getting to know you today. Barbara, why don't you tell us a little bit about St. Paul Village and what your time has been there with volunteering and working in their garden? This is a senior living center. My husband and I moved here around two or three years ago. We're in independent living. My husband's a little older than I am, and we thought it would be a good idea so we could keep our independence as long as we could. That is a good idea. I volunteer for the resident council and different programs, and then for the garden, because they give us uh, just enough space that I can handle. 
And I usually start with the plants rather than seed, so I can keep those going. Yeah, so what have you planted this year? I planted my tomatoes, green pepper, cucumber, and squash. Oh, wonderful. That sounds wonderful. How many residents are involved in the garden? Do you each have your own area or do you garden together? What's that like? You each have your own area and there's plot about the size of a large coffee table. That's what I call it. But it's just in its range. So it's enough that you don't have to bend down to the ground. Mm. You can put your stuff in and tend to it, you know, at a coffee table level. Yeah, that's perfect. Wonderful. Well, tell me a little bit more, Barbara, about some of the things that um, you volunteer your time with. I know you had a very uh, rich and um, busy career as a a social worker and a a social service administrator. And I know that you also volunteered with many things. What type of volunteering are you still involved in? Well, I'm still volunteering at my church, which is the Montgomery Community Church. And I volunteer as a greeter with the junior and senior high students. We built a building just for them. So in that building, we have gym, got space for meetings, and we have games in their form like pool tables and racquetball games. They also have a little cafe cafe areas Mm -hmm where they can go and get their pop, and, and we give them cookies on Sunday morning. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about uh, what things have been like. How have you been keeping your spirits up during this COVID-19? Have you been able to, to stay involved and engaged uh, and yet stay safe? Well, my church is doing video uh, very good on Zoom for church and then we do Zoom for Sunday school. Oh, good. So, so we're busy with that. Mm. And then my church had already been involved with the school out there in that area of Mason. So we were part of uh, helping to deliver food to certain students. Mm-hmm. We already had a mission with the trailer park over there, mm-hmm. and we just kept up by a different mission. Like, for instance, uh, next Sunday, we're doing a Habitat. We build frames for Habitat, oh, and we just make a whole Sunday out of anybody want to come and volunteer and help with that. Everything from just feeding snacks to actually nail and hammer and putting those frames together. Oh, good. Well, it's good to stay active and involved as long as you can be distanced and uh, take those precautions and stay safe. That's It's a good thing for all of us to stay active and involved for sure. Yeah, my husband and I, we've been married 50 years. Congratulations. <laughs> That's awesome. to the VA and we have about five children left in Cincinnati at the 11 we raised. So we get to see them. They were the ones that bought us our food and Mm -hmm. toilet paper. Yes. (laughs) I didn't expect that much. So it's kind of like, uh, y'all went overboard here a little bit. (laughs) 
you hate to run out of that, you know? <laughs> yeah, but they bought us enough food and everything, so oh, they been very good, good to us. And of course, um, we have one who's a nurse. Uh, she's a nurse in Dayton. We pray for her. Yes. And we have another one who's a grandson who's an EMT. Mm. So uh, we pray for him because they're right in the battle. They're the heroes. They're right there on the front lines. Mm -hmm. Well, God bless them and God bless you. And tell your husband, thank you for his service. Korean War. Oh, wow. Amazing. We certainly are thankful for that. And uh, that you've stayed married 50 years is also a blessing. That's wonderful to hear as well. And so did you get to celebrate that at St. Paul Village? Well, we were uh, here. They gave us uh, one of the luncheons. Oh. Uh, recognition for that. Oh, very nice. And two of the kids came in from out of town to mm -hmm. see us. So, so they called. It's kind of like we have uh, all of them, the kids and the grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And then there's another little set of great grands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it seems to go on and on, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Well, good. Well, Barbara, it's been so nice uh, catching up with you today and, and hearing about um, what you'll be working on this summer out there in your uh, raised bed garden at St. Paul Village. And, and thank you for sharing that with me. And thanks for your time. Sure enough. Sure. Glad to talk to you. Thank you. Well, Kristen, that was a really nice interview with Barbara Breckenridge. So interesting to hear. She's so engaged in normal everyday life and sounds like she's finding some ways of staying engaged, even as we're obviously isolated than we've been for the past several months. Well, Barbara and I really, uh, we hit it off. We haven't met in person, but meeting virtually, I would say we talked for almost an hour before we even started our, our recorded interview. And found out that Barbara is a twin and she and her twin go to Twinsburg, Ohio every year for their celebration. Oh, wow. um, and she told me so much about that and I have twins. And so uh, I promised Barbara that maybe next year when that uh, Twinsburg celebration, if it comes back around, they're not having it this year, but maybe next year she could tell our listeners all about that. She was a really interesting person. I was glad to get to know her today. That's awesome. So next up, we've got our uh, weekly check-in with President and CEO, Laura Lamb. Let's all listen to the update that Laura has for us today. Well, we're back this week for our weekly update with Laura Lamb, our President and CEO of Physical Retirement Services. Welcome, Laura. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much. So we've had a, a really busy week across the organization, a lot of Zoom meetings. Doesn't it feel like we've been on Zoom all week? Well, I am officially Zoom fatigued. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand that term um, a couple months ago, but I can certainly relate to it now. <laughs> yeah. One of those series of meetings, um, and we started talking about this a couple of weeks ago with the tensions uh, and everything going on in our society and how your heart was breaking was our, you know, our dialogue to do better as an organization, as a society, to bring the Black Lives Matter topic up to the discussion. And this week we started a series about that. I was wondering if you could 
talk to our audience a little bit about what we were doing with our staff this week. Yeah, Brian, I'd, I'd like the opportunity. Um, we made a commitment as a servant leadership team to not make this about one meeting or one email. And I really appreciate the, the servant leadership team's support in this. You know, I said to the listeners and to the staff and and to our residents that, you know, when our staff and residents are hurting within our family of ERS, it's something that we have to pay attention to. And mm-hmm. there are many of us um, that are hurting right now and, and are angry and are frustrated and really, frankly, need a safe venue to process that and right. to learn and to ask questions and to educate ourselves. So... The servant leadership team is hosting um, a series of meetings. And it's one of those things, Brian, that we don't quite know where it's going to go, but we know that it's going to be a journey and a process, uh, walking hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder together. And so the first session was this week. It was probably one of the most powerful things I've ever been a part of. Absolutely. You know, so much so that there was one part that I was supposed to facilitate and I needed to raise my hand and ask a friend for help because I just, I couldn't, I couldn't speak. Uh, It was so powerful. So essentially what we're trying to do is um, continue the dialogue to have healthy uh, discussion. Um, I believe, and it's just been a tenant in my life being um, in a multiracial family since I was seven years old and, you know, my husband's uh, black, my children are, uh, are brown is what I call them. Um, and with that, you know, I have learned that the best way to talk and grow as a family and as an individual and, and with my friend group is to share stories. So, This week, we highlighted three very different perspectives. Uh, Three staff members raised their hand and said, you know, I will help with Mm -hmm. the panel. And it was beautiful. It was was a combination of being vulnerable, uh, being true, being authentic, saying very uncomfortable things that people probably were very, very surprised to hear. Definitely, yeah. uh, To say, and... You know that's how you that's how you generate dialogue. That's how you generate understanding. That's how you you make change. And right. frankly, as a white woman, I feel a very high obligation to not be silent, right? And to make sure that my story is told, my family's story is told, mm-hmm. and then more importantly than anything, know that that's just my story. Yeah. And I have to have big ears and listen, Brian, to your story, to um, our, you know, panelist story, to each and every one, because I can learn from it, right? Right, right. I don't have have to have your perspective in life to learn from it if you share it with me. So it was very powerful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I want to thank you so much for the gift of being able to moderate those discussions because I I just really enjoyed having that dialogue with you and with our staff members. Because like you said, if we open our ears and open our hearts, we can learn so much. And that's certainly been the case in in my life. So to your point, it was so powerful and and such a great, great start to this discussion. And, and, you know, you, you 
you worry going into these kind of things about the yeah. reaction. You know, right. I had one staff member very, very close to me, um, black woman say, you know, are you afraid? Are you afraid to say, are you afraid to talk about this? And yeah. be careful what you say. And, you know, and I, I just, like most things in my life, I just ask God for the words and I, I can't live in free fear. I can't live in mm -hmm. fear of being taken out of context. And the servant leadership team, we talked about that. We have to create an environment where every one of our residents and our staff feel valued, loved, and supported. So right. that's what this is all about. Yeah. Well, so, so special and can't wait to see where these discussions in this series kind of takes us through time. So thank you for that, Laura. So another uh, Zoom, one of our big Zooms for the week was our annual uh, partners breakfast, which was held uh, this past Wednesday. And uh, this is a, always a great event. And, uh, you know, like many things now, we took what's usually an in-person event and held it in a virtual uh, way on Zoom. Um, so I was wondering if you could introduce our audience to what the Partners Breakfast is and who our partners are, because um, I think it's, it really is a special and unique event. You know, it is. And, you know, when you do something um, for, you know, many, many years, you forget sometimes how special it is until one of your partners reminds you, you know, no other, no other people. Uh, I had the uh, president of our therapy uh uh, program email me immediately after Jim, you know, mm -hmm. so good at like giving me feedback. And he's like, year after year, he always says, you know, this is, this is so unique and so special to ERS. Yeah. So our partners, I just want to clarify that. So we intentionally do not use the word vendors. Right. Um, yours is um, an ugly word. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah. I don't like it at all. And I don't like it because it, it implies that it's just a transaction. It's just yeah. a, you know, we buy services from you and you you get you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And instead, um, what we've tried to do at ERS is, is really harness our, the potential of having partnerships. So our partners are our, our general contractors, our architects, uh, the folks that um, help us with grounds um, in affordable living, you know, um, the yeah. people that provide the copy machine. And, right, and, you right. know, I think that is a little change for some that may be listening to think of them as your partners, mm -hmm. but it really comes from a belief of ERS that we're better if we collaborate with others. Right. And so we are stronger as an organization by, by, saying to them they are our partners and their success really does impact our success and vice versa. Yeah. And so uh, years and years ago, uh, we started a partner's breakfast where once a year we invite them in um, to have a breakfast and to hear um, really um, insights to where where we've been and where we're headed and that's i think the other critical difference is that you know sharing your strategic plan with the person that is providing you legal services may be common but right. i'm here to tell you that sharing your strategic plan 
with people that provide the welcome mats to your front doors is uncommon, right? Right. right. But I would, I would suggest that if we do that, then that company understands what's important to us, mm-hmm. where we're headed, mm-hmm. and frankly, can walk alongside of us to say, you know, to, to make connections. We've had that happen, that people at the partner breakfast have said, oh, now that I know this is where you're headed, you know, um, did you know that so-and-so is working on that same initiative? Or may I make a connection with you with someone in my organization that maybe help you with that strategy? So it's just been just a beautiful, and this year I have to shout out to you and to Joy Blang. Um, You all did an incredible job. I mean, we had, you know, this pandemic and we can't have a breakfast. So I just want everybody to understand it was a virtual (laughs) breakfast. It was bring your own coffee. What is that? B-Y-O-C, bring your own coffee. Um, But, you know, the attendance was, you know, last I heard was like high 80s. So isn't that incredible? Uh, That's really special that people showed up even in that virtual center or virtual way. And even even in this session, we were able to do kind of some of the little networking by breaking out groups by different topics and different people, which was, I think, kind of fun and, and special because Zoom's got that ability to have those breakout rooms. So that, that was You know, cool. I just have to say, I'm always looking for the, I call them the blessings in, in COVID and our ability to mm-hmm. take technology you know, I would, I would suggest that everyone out there, no matter where you are on the technology scale, you've probably improved. Uh, <laughs> you know? yeah. You've probably improved. And yeah. wow, what is that going to mean? I mean, I, I hope we don't lose that when we go back to yeah. you know, a, a different state of normal, because I think that that's really been impactful for people. Yeah, whether it's us as an organization, we've even seen our, our residents grow so much in their usage and and a uh, willingness to learn technology. Well, I'm going to move on to another um, very serious topic, and um, that's kind of where we're standing as a country, as a community um, with COVID-19. And and I think we've seen a lot of news this past week of of, um, surges starting to bubble up in various states and communities. And uh, you know, as the world's opening up and people are gathering, and um, I think we're seeing some some burnout from isolation and wearing masks and things like that. And I, I think you know I've talked, and and it's it's concerning. And I wanted wondered if you could kind of um, put this into perspective where we're at as a, a country and what. Um, our organization, where our organization is as well, and what's on the horizon for us. I appreciate it. I really want to want to speak to that. You know, COVID is, is here, and it is the enemy, and it is invisible, and I, too, grow weary of being isolated, being quarantined, being, you know, being masked, but we have to continue to do this. Yeah. Please, 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 I'm, I'm imploring everyone that's listening to wear your masks when you're out, practice social distancing. Don't put yourself in positions where you are in areas that people aren't doing that. I mean, it, it's just, it's beyond me to, 
to see people congregate at restaurants and bars and on beaches and right. and think that that virus isn't spreading. Um, you know, we are seeing a surge. You've you've read the news. Uh, our listeners have. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, the governor called Southwest Ohio a, a hot spot uh, just yesterday, and has some very specific things that he's doing. The National Guard will be in Hamilton County over the next 10 days. It's that serious. It's that serious. And one of the zip codes is literally a stone's throw away from our communities. Right. So um, it's serious. It's serious. It's here. We are seeing more cases. We mm-hmm. are. Um, the other area that I'd like to point out is uh, Louisville. So Louisville d- isn't having double digit, but they're right across the river from um, Indiana. Right. In Indiana, the the statistics in Indiana and just the different approach from the different states that, you know, um, I'm concerned about that. A lot of our staff live in Indiana. A lot of our staff that uh, work at ECH, you know, um, live or play in Indiana. Mm -hmm. And that scares me because those are hotbeds. Those are exposure points that, we as staff need to be extremely mindful of because if not, that exposure is gonna come in our building. Right. So, so specifically what that means for uh, ERS, I, I would like to highlight two things. One is that um, if you receive our letters and our communication have been on our website, you'll see that we have had a few cases of COVID at Marjorie P. Lee. Yeah. Again, that's not ex- not unexpected. Right. Uh, we knew that we would have more cases when communities started opening up. The broader community is what I mean by that. We haven't opened up much, right. but broader community. And so we, as soon as we saw that, we, we decided as a risk management team that we had to get together with each and every member of the Marjorie Lee team and talk about the guidelines and talk about what I just said to your listeners about, Mm -hmm. we've got to double down. This is not the time to get fatigued. This is not the time to get complacent. This is the time to do everything well. Mm -hmm. And so we talked very directly about the obligation of not just what you do, uh, what you do when you're at work, but more importantly, this 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 war is going to be won with what we do at home. Yeah. And you know, and I I, I said to staff, you know, um, everyone chose to work in this career that's working at ERS. Yeah. So we need you to um, show up <laughs> to yeah. make sure that you understand that our obligation is different than other industries. And you know, there there are other people that work in different settings can do different things, but because right. we've chosen to work with seniors, we have to do things differently. And we wanted to give them the tools to do it. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to stay in your house 24-7. Right. It just means you have to be smart and choiceful, intentional about yeah. what we're doing. And I am so proud of the servant leadership team and our risk management team. They're really leading by example. They're, they're making sure that they're making very um, intentional choices for themselves and their families. So. Right, right. Well, I think it's, it's definitely, you know, we have that obligation because of the people we serve. But I, I, what I worry about is that dialogue of, 
you know, when we first started talking about flattening the curve, it's, it's really about protecting those most, most vulnerable in our society, whether that's people in our nursing homes or out in society. I think that's such a, a, still such an important principle to where we're at uh, in the process of this pandemic. Yeah. I, the only thing I'd like to add to that, Brian, is that mm -hmm. I would just I would broaden that to every senior that lives in a congregate setting. I yeah. mean, that that really, it's be it's more than just our nursing home residents. It's all residents that live in. Oh, a, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know that, but I just want to make sure that the yeah. listeners kind of um, know that distinction. The other thing I wanted to share with you is that um, you've heard ECH had their mandatory. Uh, testing by the state um, a couple weeks ago. All the results are in. Right. We, um, we were very, very pleased um, at, at a moment in time. It's a snapshot that sure. every one of our residents in our nursing and assisted living level, as well as staff, um, everyone was COVID free. We're very, very happy about wow. that. We understand that it's just a snapshot in time and yeah. that, that can change. So that's why we have to be diligent. Right. Um, we're getting ready. We're literally today submitting data to the state of Ohio. And we have our dates uh, for Marjorie Lee and Dupree. Mm -hmm. uh, Ohio is doing it a little bit different. And they're starting with staff. They're mandatory mandating staff testing. So all mm -hmm. staff, at, staff that work at Dupree and Marjorie P. Lee mm -hmm. and residents that have requested, that's the difference in the different states, residents that okay. have requested testing yep. um, in Ohio can be added to the list. So those tests will happen um, on Tuesday and Wednesday next week. Okay. And that test is a little different. So um, in, in Kentucky, the tests were administered administered by our staff mm -hmm. Ohio then oh uh, the Ohio National Guard is actually coming in to do the testing wow yeah wow. so um it, it it'll be interesting we haven't we haven't experienced that yet so yeah um the team is working on all the logistics to make that happen so that we can um, provide that test to all of our staff right. and understand where we are you know how many uh, you know again so that no one is surprised um the, the percentages that we're seeing come back after, you know, whole community testing is that anywhere from 25 to 50 percent of wow. us are asymptomatic. So wow. the only way to know that yeah. is to be tested. And again, snapshot in time, it's yeah. only as good as that, that moment. Right. But, you know, if you don't have that data, it's really hard. Yep a city and a state to understand what they're up against. So I applaud Governor DeWine um, each and every day. I just think he's, I'm really happy that I live in Ohio. He's exemplified such strong leadership. Yeah, yeah, certainly leadership at, at, at its finest. So, well, Laura, thank you so much for joining me again this week. We had a lot to talk about this week. We'll look forward to catching up next week. Great, thank you, Brian. Brian, that was another wonderful update from Laura. It's always gets me through the rest of my week when I hear from Laura what's been going on and, and what is happening all around ERS. It makes me feel connected. Yeah, even though I, you know, I stay in contact with her throughout the weeks, I, I always find these 
these updates very refreshing because there's always some great stories and it's a good overview of what's going on within ERS. Yeah, she's kind of the hub that's holding us all together. Absolutely. She's a great leader. So with that said, our next segment is with Dr. John Kiesel. Dr. Kiesel is a resident at Dudley Square down at Episcopal Church Home in Louisville, Kentucky. And I had a really great chance to sit down and have a great talk. As you mentioned at the top of the interview, he's such an inspiring person. He gives so much of his time. He stays very busy and engaged and, and has done a really nice job transitioning you know, in these times where there have been more restrictions to, to stay engaged. So let's listen to my interview with Dr. Kiesel. I'm here this week with Dr. John Kiesel. John has been a uh, resident at Dudley Square down at uh, Episcopal Church Home in Louisville, Kentucky for the past seven years. He's been a very active member in our organization is just very active in general. He's uh, our resident representative of the uh, ECH board of directors, does a lot of volunteering throughout the city of Louisville, including being a a court appointed advocacy program involved in the Wayside Christian uh, ministry and uh, very involved in his church at the Christ Cathedral there in Louisville. Welcome Dr. Kiesel to our show. Glad to be here. You know, obviously the last 12, 13 uh, weeks have been very different for our lives. And how have you been doing during this time period? I'm doing fine. I've been doing real well. Just kind of plugging along. What kind of activities, things have you been doing during this time period to stay engaged? I had had to sort of redirect my life. A lot of my time was spent out of the facility. Yeah. My volunteer work several days a week. I also did a lot of uh, physical strength training as well as swimming several times a week mm-hmm. so all that came to an abrupt halt so what i had to do is sort of reorient myself fortunately before i this whole thing started i started on a low carbohydrate diet so i've been able to maintain that and fix breakfast for myself and in fact have created a, a new uh, recipe for scrambled eggs uh, looking at some two old french cookbooks what does that comprise of just out of curiosity you start off with uh, sauteing um, Ham, uh, slam chunks, or you know, chips, uh-huh. or I use uh, Canadian bacon with uh-huh. uh, small onion slices. Saute that in butter. When that when the onions are done, then I add in quartered uh, cherry tomatoes and some uh, sliced spinach leaves and saute them down. Set them aside, and I've got two eggs I've scrambled. Put more butter in the uh, skillet, add the eggs. Now the eggs are starting to cook. I throw in some chunks of cheese i use brie scramble all that together when that is about done i then throw the uh, tomato spinach onion uh, ham mixture in with it stir it up real well serve it on a plate that adds salt and pepper it is very delicious when you don't really taste the uh, cheese or the onion acid of the tomatoes add an awful lot to the eggs and it's just a fantastic breakfast and very filling wow that sounds mouth-watering and i might have to try that very soon <laughs> it is easy to do it's kind of fun that sounds like a great way to start the day. Appreciate you sharing that. So I just wonder if there's anything in your lifetime through crisis or life experiences that have kind of helped you manage through this period or, or advice that you would share with our listeners? Well, there are several things. One, uh, when I started to retire to 10, a little bit over 10 years ago, I had a conversation with my cousin who retired several years earlier and asked him, what, 
what is to be successful retiree and sort of approached it as having another job. And he suggested the time to leave the house every day, get out of the house completely. To that, I added to do something different in the afternoon I do in the morning. So mm-hmm. what I have done in the process, since I'm unable to leave the house, I get up and walk at least once around the circumference of our paved areas. Yeah. And doing that, I have gone very little shopping. We've had all the, virtually all the food has been brought into us. Right. But if I had to sh- shop, go further on in the morning, get to the grocery store at seven o'clock in the morning so I could be in and out before anybody else got there. Right. But try to get out, get out of here, do things. The other thing I did was uh, change what I did. I had gotten the Mueller report when it kept it published last fall. Mm-hmm. I kept wanting to read it. I'm, of course, busy with everything else. The time wasn't available. Uh-huh. Now the isolation began, uh, sat down and worked through the Mueller report, which is fascinating for me. And I've tried to read more, staying up with current events, reading uh, several magazines a week, just trying to be active and just try to do something different every day. I don't try to uh, get in a daily routine. Yeah, but I'm just trying to do every day and try to do something in the morning, something different in the afternoon. It sounds like your schedule was before. It sounds like you're staying very active and, you know, from everything that I read, getting outside in that fresh air is so important as well. Doing more, assisting my wife in cooking, uh, taking on the responsibility of cooking every Friday night and then trying to do something as well on the weekend and grilling out. I was trying to assist her as a sous chef. Mm-hmm. Just we're trying to eat more healthy. We're eating more at home, of course. We've been forced to uh, to try to find new recipes and do different things that way. It's been fun, assisting in cooking. Well, that's great. Yeah, I think my my wife and I have been trying some different things. She's been wonderful in providing some some new and different options for our family. We, I don't know if you knew we have five kids, so <laughs> trying to keep it different and updated is is can be a challenge. But she does a great job with that. Whole of the kids are at home. I guess all the kids are at home. Yeah, we've got an 18 year old, a 15 year old, two 14 year olds, and 11 year old. So we're a blended family, but they're in the thick of that activity. So sitting has been very challenging. Uh, obviously, they were in school there for that first part of all of this, but uh, finding some different activities and things for them to do um, has been one of the big, big challenges. And we've been trying to make better time of our yard space so that we can really enjoy this time here, you know, as a family. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what are you looking forward to once this pandemic is over? I think it's being able to hug my kids again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Got two kids in town that I see, but I can't give them a hug. Yeah. So that's number one part. Number is going back to working out and swimming would be another thing that I'm looking forward to. I'm very active swimming quite a bit, like distance swimming several times a week. The other thing would be being involved back with CASA program, the Court of Point Special Advocacy Program, as well as going back and helping in the kitchen and serving breakfast. I yeah. maintain a contact there with the head of the kitchen, a lot of volunteers in there right now. I look forward to going to group events like attending church again. Yeah. Going to theaters. Yeah. We attend a lot of the local lectures here. Uh-huh. One of our major activities. And what we do, we try to eat outside in the air. Well, hopefully they're making a lot of progress. There's a lot of trials and things in development out there. So we'll have to keep our fingers crossed and say our prayers for sure. Well, John, I want to thank you so much for joining us on our podcast this week. It was so fun to, to hear from you and learn about what's going on in your life. Well, it's been for all of us challenging. I don't envy you. We had four kids growing up and there were times in, we're in Durham, North Carolina that we lived outside of the city and we had a 
electrical power for everything, including the well pump in the front yard. And when the ice storms came in and knocked the electricity out, we were, had to go to one room with a wood fireplace. Oh my gosh. We lived there. We had no running water, not even for toilets. And wow. it, was, it was a real challenge there for up to 24 hours before we get electricity restored to us. So being together, five kids, <laughs> adolescents who many times uh, at that point don't like each other. Right. Easily have problems. You know, I, I wish you well on this continuum. Yeah. Well, our first world problems now are just making sure we have proper internet. So they have Netflix and video games and things like that, among, among others. But Communication uh, with their friends. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. yeah that, that socialization is so important. Well, again, thank you so much, John, You're for joining. You're most welcome. Thank you. Brian, it was really good to hear from my friend, Dr. Kiesel. And as a physician, you know, he certainly understands what's happening in these times and is certainly finding ways to stay engaged and involved, but also to be safe. And uh, it, was, it was great to hear his words of wisdom. Yeah, it was, uh, again, just great catching up with him. He is such a positive influence, um, not just on us, but as an organization, he's such a cheerleader for Episcopal Church Home and ERS, and it's always great to, to, to get his support. So that was another great show today. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for the latest episode of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. For more information about us, you can visit our website at episcopalretirement.com. We have lots of great content, including our Linkage online blog, um, some resources to learn more about aging and the services that we offer, and so much more. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube to see what's going on within ERS and our communities. And if you have any questions or feedback from us, we love hearing from you. Please email us at info at erslife.org. The Linkage Podcast is produced by Kristen Davenport and Brian Reynolds. Yasha Davis is our associate producer, and our technical director, as always, is Michelle Hain. I'd like to thank our guests today, including Dr. Kiesel and Barbara Breckenridge, and uh, obviously a special thank you, as always, to our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, for giving her a, a weekly updates. On behalf of myself, Brian Reynolds, and Kristen Davenport, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to our podcast next week. Thanks so much again, Kristen. Thank you, Brian. We'll talk again soon.